the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the London Free Press Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. So many important stories going on, of course, in the pages of the London Free Press and over at lfpress.com. Another very, very busy week. I'm really excited to be joined by City Hall reporter Megan Stacy. Megan, thank you for your time. How are you doing today? I am great. Thanks for having me on the pod again, Lindsay. Yeah, it's been a while and I wish this story wasn't so heavy. And that's the word I have to associate with this. You and Randy Richmond wrote a phenomenal but gut-wrenching piece on two young men, Liam and Braden. This is the, the title of the article. Liam and Braden, two young men who lived and died on London's streets. They were 20 and 21 respectively. Um and died relatively recently. And it speaks to a whole bigger issue, but I wanna talk about these two young men first. The article goes so in depth and really paints a picture. I think as the public, we start to hear numbers of COVID deaths. There was another death or you hear there was another drug overdose and you think that's unfortunate, but then it's just like a blip and we keep going. This paints a whole other picture of these young men and what a tragedy it is that these lives were lost. So tell me a little bit about your experience writing this article about Liam and Brayden. Right. I I think heavy is the right word to use, Lindsay, like you hit the nail on the head. And, um, you know, obviously it's, it's really tough to write about uh, young men, you know, just 20, just a few months drive his 21st birthday and, and Liam was 21. So these are really young men who's, uh, you know, lost their lives. They, they died way too early and talking to their family members, you said gut wrenching. I mean, that's, that about sums it up, right? Talking to grieving family members is, is, um, you know, never an easy task, but we did think it was really important. And, uh, the reaction I think has, has confirmed that a little bit, you know, as you say, it's that difference between seeing numbers and seeing trends and really thinking about the human faces, you know, the, the neighbor, the brother, the son uh, behind those numbers and behind those stories. So uh, honestly, I think it was a real privilege to be able to share a little bit of their, their stories. Of course, we can never capture a whole life in, you know, a, a newspaper article, but um, being able to connect with uh, Brayden and Liam's uh, mothers and, you know, other people who knew and loved them and supported them during their time on the street as well. Uh, yeah, it, it's really an honor to be able to share those stories and, um, you know, local folks Folks will know Randy. Randy Richmond is just a master. So uh, it's it's wonderful to be able to to work with Randy on a story like this. And I, I want to give him credit because he is always the guy who comes back to, you know, telling those human stories. Like what is that that real story behind the problem or behind the headline? Um, and uh, that's really what we were trying to do here, right? Highlight the lives um, and make sure that Liam and Braden weren't remembered just for the way that they died. Absolutely. And you guys really encapsulated that something that really struck me about this. And I don't know if this is another misconception or maybe I'm just desensitized to it. I think a lot of the time we see homeless people or we hear about people living on the streets or bouncing from shelter to shelter. And we think, oh, like what happened? They must have lost their jobs or fallen on hard times. Not always the case as painted in this article. These young men chose to leave home and 
I don't know. I'm going to be a mom in a couple of months. Like I'm pregnant right now. And I don't know how, as a parent, you rope them back in. And I know that there was some discussion with regards to Liam and Brayden's moms. Like what, there's only so much you can do. Like you raise these babies to go out in the world and they, they were like, they were just talking about care packages and mints that were liked. And uh, Liam had a brother, Patrick, who was younger. And his mom said they were like two peas in a pod. So what were these moms saying about the time on the streets? Cause it wasn't always like that. Like these were moms who were very much still talking to their boys. Right. And, you know, I think it's a, such a complicated situation, um, you know, as it often is, and especially for people who, you know, deeply love their family members and feel a little bit helpless, um, you know, to help them. And uh, I want to give credit, you know, to both families and to both Liam's mom and Brayden's mom for speaking out and, you know, trusting us with those stories, because that's not easy uh, either. You know, there's a lot of bravery there. And, uh, and the reality, the unfortunate reality is that there's still a lot of stigma associated, um, you know, with, um, with drug use, with uh, living on the street, um, you know, with, with searching for housing or, or being unsheltered. Um, and so I think it's really difficult. And, you know, uh, both uh, moms, I think, uh, touched on that, you know, talked about the difficulty of um, trying to help their children, the difficulty of trying to navigate that situation, you know, the barriers that you come up against when you are, are trying to help your kid um, and you feel like you can't, or you feel like, um, you know, maybe the, the answers aren't there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is a really complicated scenario and it's hard to pinpoint one thing, right? I think a lot of people will read those stories and you might still be left with questions, right? You might say, what happened here? And uh, I think that's a really troubling reality uh, that we all have to grapple with. And, and people who have had someone close to them, um, you know, go through these type of challenges may understand a little bit better, but uh, it's tough for some of us to understand that, you know, these people who are living on the streets are, are just like us, right? You know, they grew up playing the violin or yeah, you know, in Braden's case, he, he had a, a sibling who he was super close to. And uh, I think it's, it's a real challenge for uh, people who haven't navigated that journey to realize and think, wow, you know, maybe that could be me too. Right. And that's what really struck me talking to, to Liam's mom, especially she shared like so many precious memories of uh, Liam as a young child. Right. And, you know, going on that trip to New York city and talking to people living on the streets, like he, she said, he would just ask a simple question to get the conversation started. You know, where do you get your food or do you see, uh, do you ever see your family? And um, it's, I think it's really painful and difficult for those of us who go to sleep at night, you know, in a comfortable bed and have a roof over our heads to think, wow, you know, that could be my kid or that that could even be me. Um, and so obviously there, you know, there are choices made, there are uh, difficult realities that, that people have to deal with, usually a combination of mental health issues and, um, and drug use or drug addiction. Um, so, you know, I'm far from an expert. I don't want to say I, I, I know the reasons why or, you know, that I could ever um, pinpoint a scenario or sum it up in a 15 minute podcast. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's just it's complicated and painful. And especially for these two moms is really, really raw right now. They just lost their boys. Yeah, I can't even imagine them 
speaking out about this, but I'm so grateful. Again, I feel almost ignorant prior to reading this because there is this preconceived notion about people who are bouncing around from shelters or on the streets. And then it really hit me their ages, 20 and 21. Like that is devastating for lack of a better word. I want to be cautious and not politicize their deaths, but I do want to know you, you wrote a follow-up article a couple days after your and Randy's article came out and Jesse Helmer, counselor, Jesse Helmer said something that really struck me. Um, no surprise injection sites in the city have been a pretty hot topic, uh, as a property owner in the city, I could kind of appreciate some of the arguments that these homeowners were making. And Jesse Helmer made a comment. We need to stop like property value doesn't matter. We're talking about lives. So has there been any discussion? You spent a lot of time at city hall talking to counselors, committee meetings. Has there been any kind of discussion about how to fix this? And this is not like a short term solution. This is going to be a pretty big undertaking. What have you been hearing? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. And again, I'm obviously no expert, but I think uh, most of us recognize, and I think city council recognizes too, that this is a big issue and it's going to take a lot of different solutions. It's going to take a lot of different people working together and it's going to take uh, different levels of government working together too, right? And Councillor Helmer um, touched on that uh, in the interview that uh, that we did in the story that came out last weekend as well, you know, the need for provincial and federal funding, right, the needs for uh, for things like uh, a drug policy change, perhaps at the provincial level, you know, the federal government is also the one uh, creating exemptions for um, uh, supervised uh, drug use sites and things like that, right, to carve, carve out that that exemption in the controlled um, Substances Act. So uh, I think there's there's a lot to be done. Um, there hasn't been too much talk, I wouldn't say at City Hall, you know, this week, but even yesterday, uh, or earlier this week, there was a committee meeting to talk about London's core, right, and uh, an update to the core area action plan, which includes downtown and Old East Village. So those are areas where we see a lot of social challenges, right, a lot of people who uh, are homeless, who have nowhere to go, a lot of people who are struggling with um, some pretty severe mental health issues and, and substance use. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate what you were saying, calling out that line too, you know, a counselor Helmer was so blunt. And I think sometimes that's really helpful, right? To drive to the heart of the issue. He said something like, you know, we really, people really need to cut that out. Um, and I think, as you say, in a way that kind of cuts to the heart of the issue, you know, just um, a couple of weeks ago, we saw a really concentrated pushback against a day space that's been set up uh, through the winter at the Hamilton Road Senior Center. And neighbors in that area are saying, listen, you know, that we're finding more needles, uh, you know, car break-ins are up, we're not feeling safe in this area anymore. And, and uh, their counselor was, you know, trying to find a way to relocate that that space. So, you know, that's what Councillor Helmer's talking about too, right? Like, let, let's understand that, uh, that we need services in our city. I, we're all calling out for more services, but then you inevitably run into the, just don't put it near me. So I, I think that's a really important um, point too. And, you know, we have to talk about housing, about creative solutions, about funding, right? There's a lot of pressure on City Hall right now to check some of those boxes, right? What are they going to do? Um, you know, in terms of housing for what's called high acuity people that would, uh, you know, be people like Liam and Brayden who aren't comfortable in traditional emergency shelters, 
you know, can't or won't go there, um, what, what sort of housing and what sort of services are available, especially right now in the middle of the pandemic when, when a lot of the traditional supports are not there. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm probably, I'm all over the map and I think I am a little bit because there's so many pieces to this, right? And it's going to be really hard for, you know, a single city council or, or, you know, a few advocates, um, for homeless Londoners to, to drive a solution. But uh, I think there is a, an acknowledgement and we hope in sharing some stories like Liam and Braden's that there is even more of an understanding and, and acknowledgement that something has to be done and that it's really gonna take some hard work and some uncomfortable work, right? I mean, as you say, a lot of uh, people in the city are, um, are not happy with the current services or the locations or you know the ripple effects of of uh, the homelessness crisis and, and how that's hitting their home or business. And so um, there's a lot of perspectives to consider, but there's uh, clearly, there's a lot of hard work to be done to try and craft some, some solutions. And then I think some creative solutions that maybe we haven't tried yet. Something you've done a really good job about, and I just wanna remind anybody listening about is, this isn't just a drug problem. Mental health is a huge, huge issue throw in the pandemic and the free press you and randy reported this this is right from your latest article uh surrounding middlesex county rose by more than two-thirds in 2020 over 2019 um this was drug-related deaths mental health of course a big big issue so i think that also speaks to a, a bigger piece of the overall puzzle but it's not just one piece of the puzzle there's a lot of intricacies with this story. And I just want to thank you, honestly, like I said, I felt almost ignorant reading this article and it was really just kind of stark for me and reading counselor Helmer's quote, just cut it out. Like you're right. Really when we're talking life and death, does it matter? Property value is so irrelevant when you are talking life versus death. So thank you so much for your time, Megan. I really, really appreciate it. The articles have been wonderful, very informative. Look forward to more of this and hopefully seeing the reaction that we get out of City Hall in the coming weeks, months, years. Again, this is not going to be a quick fix. Uh, for those of you listening at home, if you want more, of course, don't forget, follow the free press on Twitter at LF Press. So many stories coming up all the time in the pages of the London Free Press over at lfpress.com. This podcast, of course, available Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, over on YouTube and at lfpress.com. We'll be back again next week with another edition of the London Free Press podcast. Until then, stay well.